dementia researcher with a blog and a rating. Self-report. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's four o'clock on a Friday. You've been working hard all week and now the sun is shining outside. You want frolic away from the weekend when you remember you've recently signed up for a research study. All that's required is to fill in a single questionnaire, which you open to discover is 10 pages long. By the time you reach what feels like the thousandth question on page five, answering insightfully begins to slip down the list of priorities. You look outside at the deck chair awaiting you in the garden and start to implement a new strategy. Sure, answering A for every question might be a tad conspicuous, but what if you started strategically alternating between A and B, throwing in the occasional C for a bit of flavour? Self-report scales are the bread and butter of psychological research. If you type self-report into Google Scholar, you'll be met by over 3.5 million search results. However, we place a lot of trust in our participants when we hand them that questionnaire. We assume they'll answer in a way that is meaningful. We assume that they won't get distracted by the latest sitcoms. We assume they won't attempt to speed run our self-report battery to try and win the new world record for number of questionnaires answered in five minutes. The truth is that there's a lot of evidence to suggest this assumption is flawed. Research on the topic deems this kind of responding as careless. In healthy individuals, this pejorative term is likely to be a fair label, if a little harsh. But in patients, there's a host of other reasons why engagement is difficult, beyond simply a lack of effort engagement. My research focuses on individuals with syndromes associated with frontotemporal degeneration, which can manifest as a spectrum of conditions, including frontotemporal dementia. This type of dementia is characterized by behavioral symptoms rather than memory loss, with hallmarks being apathy, impulsivity, and perseveration. This means that our patients don't just get bored, they have a clinical lack of motivation. Our patients don't just implement new strategies, they perseverate and answer every question in the same way or using recognizable patterns. What's more, these individuals often have a very different insight into their illness than their caregivers and loved ones. In these cases, the assumption that participants engage meaningfully with self-report scales becomes even more tenuous. Given how commonly these scales are used, not just in research, but in clinical diagnosis, we wanted to explore the response strategies that our patients use, and if these strategies themselves might be able to predict other clinical factors. In our lab, we routinely use visual analog scales in experimental studies to assess mood. Pairs of antonyms are placed at opposite ends of a response line, and participants are asked to mark on the line how they feel between these word pairs. Do they feel closer to happy or sad, tense or tranquil, attentive or withdrawn? I took these responses and began analysing them in a slightly unorthodox way, by ignoring the words. In this study, I wasn't interested in what the participants were saying, but rather how they were saying it. I found three different ways to measure potential response strategies. The simplest was counting how many responses in a row were the same. The questions on our scale of flipped surveillance mean you really can't answer meaningfully by putting a straight line all the way down one side of the page. This was our invariant response strategy. The second measure focused on patterns in the responses. For this, we use lentil diff compression, which you may not have heard of, but you've most definitely used, as it's the algorithm your computer implements to zip up files. The way it does this is to, quite cleverly, identify recurring patterns in the data and replace them with single markers. The more random the data, the more markers you need. 
in the most extreme case, truly random data could not be compressed at all. This algorithm was perfect to quantify our patent response strategy. For the final measure, we went back to take account of word meaning. We'd paired up our questions based on their semantic similarity and looked at the correlation between them. Simply put, questions that mean the same thing should have a strong correlation. Marking yourself as both too relaxed and tense suggests your answers may not be very, very meaningful. And so we had strategy three, internally inconsistent. A few months of data collection and analysis later, here we are. Our patients showed significantly more invariant, more patterned, and more internally inconsistent responses than our controls. Not only that, but some of these response strategies could predict cognition above and beyond the scale itself. So, what does this mean for the field of self-report scales? Does this mean we should discard every piece of science done with questionnaires in patients over the last hundred years? Unsurprisingly, no. For one, this study explored visual analog scales, and we just don't know if the same problem will exist in other types of scale. But we also can't ignore this violation in assumptions either. We test our statistical assumptions all the time. So in future, let's try to do the same for our self-report measures. Just because a scale has been validated, doesn't mean it's valid in the cohort you wish to study. There are no easy ways to avoid invariant and patterned responding in patients, but we should take it into account when we interpret our results. So, what can we take away from all this? One, use caution when interpreting self-report measures. Two, check your assumptions. And three, if you ever take part in research and you get bored midway through, please take a break before you finish the questionnaire. To read the full paper, please visit the link below. Thank you for listening. Join the Dementia Research bloggers and share your own views.